Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aviva Canada, a leading property and casualty insurance group providing home, auto, leisure, and lifestyle and business insurance to 2.9 million customers. Severe weather and natural disasters are on the rise, and Aviva's Plan and Protect app will help your family prepare for earthquakes, severe wind, winter storms, wildfires, and floods. It tells you what to do before, during, and after these events, stores your insurance info, and works with Wi-Fi. Download it free from the App Store or Google Play, and Aviva will donate $5 to the Canadian Red Cross. What's good, Internet? You're listening to episode 134 of the Syrupcast. We are recording on August 17th. The Syrupcast is a podcast dedicated to fostering intelligent and fun discussion on mobile and telecom in Canada. Today, it is I, Rose Bahar, senior reporter at Mobile Syrup, who is leading at least one half of the show, as Igor Bonifacic, or as some call him, Ibor Bonachach, um, is busy at this moment writing up his review in progress of the Essential Phone, which is very exciting. We do, however, have him making a guest appearance on the show right now. Hello, Ibor. That was a fantastic intro, Rose. Not Thank only do so I much. have to worry about Ebor replacing me, <laughs> I now have to worry about you replacing me on the podcast. For those who don't know, that's a reference to a recent Reddit comment that shows that Igor is famous, but maybe not under the name that he would like to be famous. Yes, you used under. to call me Ebor. <laughs> mm. We also have with us today staff writer Dean Daly. Hi, Rose. That was great. Well, thank you very much. You're you're very excited about the essential phone, aren't you? I am. It's, it looks awesome. Well, we'll quiz them up. It'll be very interesting. And we also have staff writer Samir Chabra, who um, will also be later running the show in our conversation about streaming platforms and how they're taking over the world. Hello, Samir. Hello, Rose. Hello, everybody. All right. So let us start off with Igor's pilgrimage to Palo Alto, California, to meet Android godfather Andy Rubin and get the essential. Tell us more about that experience. It was uh, so it was fantastic, obviously. Um, so essential, uh, they're based in this co-working space called Playground, which is something that Andy Rubin creator uh, created, excuse me, before he decided to you know have another go at a high-end Android phone. He was he just wanted to be an investor. Um, and this is, it's kind of a hardware focused place. So it's really cool. You can see spot mini there, which for those that don't know, that is, um, Boston dynamics, very scary robot that can oh, terrifying, uh, terrifying. I asked them to turn it on for me. Uh, they didn't grant my request, unfortunately. Um, and Andy Rubin, he is everything and more than you think he is in the sense that, you know, you obviously know, like, uh, intuitively that this is a very smart man mm-hmm. but it's not clear until he starts talking just how smart mm-hmm. he is um i mean i wish i had uh, i didn't get a chance to record the conversation yeah. but um he had so many smart things to say about like the future 
of technology, the future of AI and all of it together. Um, and then it kind of became more clear why he's doing this, uh, you know, doing another phone in a what is essentially like a tapped out market, right? Like we've hit uh, the saturation point. Um, and then it makes sense why they're doing it uh, as kind of a small scale team. Uh, Essential more or less consists of 100 employees. What's interesting, if you go on their website, you can see every single person that worked on this phone by name and what their role is. That's not something you can see with Apple, right? Like there's Apple and Samsung, there are more than, I would guess, 10,000 employees working on whether it's the iPhone or the Galaxy S8. Um, So this is really as much as a smartphone can be. It is a small collaborative effort instead of some giant corporation making a phone. Um, And to just to pivot to the essential phone, I've only had it for a bit, but essentially that is it's both its greatest strength and its greatest weakness. The fact that it's made by 100 people. Right. So tell us more about the essential phone. And I think it's fascinating, too, what you said Mm -hmm. about why it makes sense. So tell us more about the essential phone and why it makes sense. Right. So I could never say this as eloquently as Andy did, but essentially what it comes down to is... Pun intended. Yeah, yeah. so many of them. Yeah, so many. Um, What it comes down to with a phone like the iPhone at its, or let's take Apple as a company at this stage in its kind of arc as a company, it has come to that point where it is all about maximizing profits, right? Like the opportunities for it to be innovative have diminished just because the company needs to find every possible efficiency it can with the iPhone, right? And that's especially under Tim Cook, less so under Steve Jobs, but with Tim Cook, you know, it wasn't with Steve Jobs that they're kind of, and I love this term, their uh, iPhone revenue 10x. It was under Tim Cook when every single possible efficiency was wrung out of the iPhone line, right? So he said, this is Andy Rubin, that there's very little opportunity to be innovative in that situation, right? Because it really becomes a matter of cutting as many corners as you feasibly can without diminishing the quality of the product, right? So on the essential phone, for instance, you have this screen. Uh, It is, I've been looking into the technology it uses. Um, I don't know, CGS, and I believe, uh, I can't remember the other acronym, but this is one of the most expensive displays that a manufacturer can put into a phone. But the economies of scale make sense in this phone because, you know, I asked Andy Rubin, what does success for the essential phone look like? And he was very honest, like, they're not expecting to sell a million units of this phone and they don't really need to, right? Because it is a smaller operation. Um, And so really this phone is about pushing the envelope for them. Uh, So one of the ways is this very, uh, I mean, innovative is not the right word, but it is definitely a display that is more boutique than you would find in other phones, right? Like it is, um, there's a reason why Apple hasn't gone to a bezel-less display until the iPhone, uh, this coming up iPhone 8, and because the economies of scale are not there, right? Like for a company like Apple to produce a bezel-less iPhone, you need a manufacturer like Samsung that has the capacity to produce however many million um, OLED displays are needed to, and to make an iPhone like that. And we've even seen in a recent report that um, they're not going to be able to keep up with demand with the iPhone 8, right? So, or that's the prediction anyway. So, but on a, with a phone like the essential phone, where it's, you're only expecting to sell 500,000 units, let's say, if you were being really polite, then a display like this makes sense. Then a ceramic back makes sense. Then a titanium frame makes sense. Uh, So, 
that is, I think, what you have to know about the essential phone. It's not for everyone, but for those who are really looking for like a high-end experience, it is something else. Oh, yeah. it's almost like kind of a limited edition, super uh, premium car or something like that. Totally, yeah. Like you even see that when you first open the box, all the cables are braided. Like that is something, <laughs> you know, like I, I mentioned cutting corners, right? And that's one area where you can see it really easily with Apple, right? Like yep. how like how many iPhone cables have you seen that are like split at the end, right? Or how terrible are the earbuds, right? The essential phone doesn't come for earbuds and that's a whole separate uh, <laughs> discussion. But, you know, like it's very clear, I think more so than any other phone I've ever seen, there are no, at least apparent to me, and again, I've only had the device for a couple of days. Um, there have been no corners cut. Yeah. So just to make sure that everybody listening is on the same page, I'll just run through the, the mm-hmm. specs, the key specs quickly. It's a Snapdragon 835 chipset, mm-hmm. 4 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of internal storage at base, a 5.71-inch bezel-less full display screen mm-hmm. with 1910 aspect ratio, and a 2560 by 1312 pixel resolution. So those are kind of the basic specs, and of course, it's also modular. It's coming with a uh, it's coming with a, a module uh, in Telus. They have it available for pre-order, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but but it's maybe a little delayed. Right. So uh, I'll just speak to the specs quickly. Mm. What was interesting is they never talked about the specs at our briefing, um, and I think that really speaks to you know Andy and everyone else knew like specs are commoditized, right? Like it's really easy to get a Snapdragon, unless you're LG apparently, to get a Snapdragon 835, right? Um, As for the module, I didn't get to, like, I got to see it. I got to see it in action. We didn't get a review unit yet. Um, And the sense I got was that manufacturing an FCC uh, certification of the essential phone has been difficult. And I think that's kind of worked its way into the camera module. And that camera module was interesting because they took us through the development of it. And they've had like 50 different prototypes. And Andy was joking at like the halfway point. It was like catching on fire uh, because (laughs) um, it's two 4K sensors, right? And with two spherical cameras. So that gets really hot. And all the processing is done on the camera um, with some assistance from the uh, phone, which is... That's notable in the sense that that's completely different from how Samsung does it, where it's like sending over Bluetooth. And so it works a lot better from what I've seen. Obviously, I have, as I said, I haven't used it, but it looks and works a lot better than the Gear 360. So, and that's amazing, right? Like a hundred person team where not everyone is working on the camera has nailed what like 360 way better than a giant corporation like Samsung. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. So I'm going to open it up to questions from uh, Samir and Dean. And I know you guys are both very eager to talk about the essentials. So just go ahead. All right. So Igor, you have been using the OnePlus 5 re- mm-hmm. most recently. And they're also not from a... Their team, of course, is bigger than the essential. But it's it's mm-hmm. also a lot smaller than um, Samsung or Apple. Mm-hmm. Do you think that these phones are comparable in the sense of like... When you look, when you got the well, essential, you were excited. Yeah, so it, I'd say 
OnePlus is kind of victim to the company that owns it, which is Oppo. So mm. for those that don't know, Oppo is one of the biggest Chinese conglomerates of like kind of electronic or Oppo is their kind of sister companies, OnePlus and Oppo. And then they're owned by this, I believe it's called BKK Technologies. And they're one of the biggest kind of electronic manufacturers in China. And so what you see with the OnePlus is like, you know, when the design of it first came out, people were really disappointed about it. But if you knew enough about its relationship with Oppo, the thing is like that design was directly, it was like an, uh, an Oppo reference design and they just kind of adapted it to um, the OnePlus 5. It's the same thing with all the components. Like that screen, even though it's upside down, is <laughs> like used in every single phone because it is a Samsung mm-hmm. um, what it, Rose, uh, Super AMOLED display. Right, so... But you get the sense, the fact that this is Andy Rubin, um, one, Essential hasn't launched the phone yet and their valuation is uh, over the 1 billion. So, I mean, that speaks a lot to just kind of the culture of Silicon Valley and stuff and, you know, overvaluation. But, you know, he was able to get Tencent and Amazon to invest 300 million into this company. So, as much as OnePlus has done, and it's done amazing with what it has, its resources and stuff, you know, Andy Rubin's name means something. Sure. You know, I get the sense that basically Essential has more or less like a blank check or a blank like, yeah, he can get someone to write them a blank check. Even though it's like, it's crazy because we're at this point where it's like, is there really like, what is the potential of Essential to, you know, conquer the market? Like, Tech is such that it really solidifies around two companies at most, in this case, Apple and Samsung, and they control the ecosystem. Now, it would be amazing to see them disrupt that ecosystem, but I'm not sure, like, there's a, like, a really high-end phone that's, like, you know, it still has its issues. Yes, it is better than most Android phones, but it's not, a like, a home run from what I've used um, and it just like so much of selling an Android phone is marketing and carrier partnerships, right? And neither of those are in place for the essential phone, at least not yet. Right. And it's uh, quite expensive in the uh, Canadian market at yeah, over $1,000. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so like, that's what really like, you know, when I think about whether I would recommend this phone to someone like, you know, the S8, which is one of the most expensive phones you can buy is cheaper than the essential and it has some things that the essential phone doesn't have, like water certification, right? Or waterproofing. Um, so does it make sense in that? I don't think for most Canadians it does. Um, in, the Amer- you know, in the American marketplace, it's certainly more palpable. Um, and, and it's not even just the conversion rate, right? Like this phone is selling above the conversion rate by TELUS. So that's like one thing too. Yep. Yeah. All right. Any last questions, Samir? Actually, yeah. Uh, Mm. So you you brought up the name Andy Rubin. And uh, Mm. earlier we talked about Andy Rubin being the godfather of Android. Mm -hmm. And I've had a chance to maybe, like, I've had maybe two minutes to actually, you know, play with the phone, uh, play with your essential phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering, what do you think of the Android ecosystem that Andy Rubin has brought over to the essential phone? Because from my understanding, it's not, it's not a clean cut port of Android. It's not stock Android. So... That's kind of, it's kind of weird at this point, and it's something I've asked for clarification. But when I was at the event, he said it was stock Android. And their commitment, he said, was to uh, have the fastest updates in the market, right? And they've also today announced that they're going to support the essential uh, phone with two years of software updates and then three years of security updates, which is exactly the same as the Pixel. Now, 
where that kind of comes becomes weird is I've tried to like use Android Pay and it says that it's a custom ROM or a rooted ROM, right? It says it, it's not compatible with this phone for those reasons. Uh, so I wish I had more clarity on that. I don't, unfortunately, and I've asked, um, but I get the sense that it it has to be some kind, It's if not a fork, it is a very subtle skin because it has to, you know, this is some kind Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And it's an unusual, it's a 19 by 10 aspect ratio, which is not as a part of the Android open source project, uh, at least as far as I know. So there is some kind of skinning that is going on here to... Uh, adapt for the phone's unique screen and you definitely see that right like so um, I mentioned in my hands-on that when you are using something like Google Maps the uh, for those that don't know don't know excuse me the essential phone has a cutout for um, like the screen goes all the way to the top of the phone and then there's a cutout around the front facing a camera and it was really interesting um, uh, a writer from uh, Android Central was like suggesting to me it would have been interesting if they had just completely dropped the front-facing camera that would have been like really brave and maybe not necessarily the right move but anyway so in android maps or google maps excuse me the screen wraps around all of the uh cutout whereas on something like gmail there's like a black bar right so it's doing that on a kind of app per app basis and there needs to be some kind of programming to um, account for that so you know, we'll see how, like, it's a really weird, right? Like, when you think about it, you would think Andy Rubin, the creator of Android, would want to have some kind of stock Android. But it was also interesting because he said at the event that he sees his company more Apple-like than it Google-like. Uh, and that's partially just because of the business model. Like, this is a sales-on-margin device um, or revenue-on-margin, excuse me. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, that is like another caveat to this phone is I just don't know what the software situation is going to look like soon, right? Like if you're really, you know, concerned about security and everything, there are better options, I think, at least at this point with the information I have. Well, it will be very exciting to see your review and uh, it is in progress. So we will see updates because he's only had about 24 hours with yes. it. Um, but keep your eyes out for it on the site. Uh, it will be up by the time this is posted, so you yeah. should see it. And uh, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you, guys. What we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, staff writer Brad Shankar will be here to talk about streaming platforms. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aviva Canada, a leading property and casualty insurance group providing home, auto, leisure, and lifestyle and business insurance to 2.9 million customers. Severe weather and natural disasters are on the rise, and Aviva's Plan and Protect app will help your family prepare for earthquakes, severe wind, winter storms, wildfires, and floods. It tells you what to do before, during, and after these events, stores your insurance info, and works with Wi-Fi. Download it free from the App Store or Google Play, and Aviva will donate $5 to the Canadian Red Cross. 
All right, and we're back. So now we're going to be speaking about streaming pl streaming platforms, and I'm going to hand over to uh, my dear friend and fellow colleague Samir Chabra, who has a lot of feelings about streaming platforms. Chabra, I do, I do. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and I should also mention very quickly that Brad is now in the room. Hello, Brad. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you here. All right, back to Samir. <laughs> So I just want to start by saying that I don't think it's a stretch to say something like streaming services have gotten out of hand in the U.S. Uh, obviously, America has Netflix, but they also have Hulu. They have Hulu Plus. They've got Amazon Prime. And now all of a sudden we're seeing cable TV subscribe uh, cable TV providers like HBO and Showtime rolling out their own platforms. So HBO's got HBO Go. Showtime's got its Show.com platform. And on top of that, apparently it looks like America's big three public networks, CBS, NBC, and ABC, are all also going to start rolling out their own proprietary streaming platforms. I mean, we've already got... Uh, CBS All Access, uh, NBC apparently is in the works, and ABC is also probably thinking of something too. And now, on top of on top of everything that we've just listed, Apple and Facebook are looking to get into the original content slash uh, streaming game. Facebook unveiled its watch original content platform last week. Um, Apple said that they were investing something like a billion dollars in original content. So it, it's very clear that there are a ton of streaming options. And that's on top of the fact that most American subscribers, people who like TV in America, have a bunch of cable TV options to choose from as well. Now, that's the U.S., and obviously Canada is different. We have Netflix. We have Crave. We used to have Show Me. I'm so sorry, Show Me. Rest in peace, Show Me. Rest in peace, Show Me. Gone before your time. Um, we've also got Bell's uh, <laughs> Five Alt TV, which you can get if you are a, a, a Bell Internet Unlimited Internet very subscriber. Very unfortunate name. It, it is. It's a very Alt TV. Yeah. <laughs> at this at this point, and <laughs> and considering the current political situation. So I guess I want to open up with a very simple question to the group, and that is. How do you guys feel about the current streaming market options in Canada? How do you like the content that we have access to in Canada? And I'll expand on the question a little bit more by asking, do you think it's actually worth it right now to cut the cord, dump cable, and rely exclusively on streaming services as a primary form of entertainment? So I think it is worth it to cut the cord, but there's it's probably more related to just how bad cable has gotten more than just how good the options that are available on Netflix are. Um, when I go and I watch cable with my grandmother up in Thornhill, I mean, all we're watching is is Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, which, you know, they're they're great shows. But um, there's there's not a lot on there. There's not a lot of high quality, dramatic content that I'm searching for on those on those channels, um, on those basic TV channels, especially unless you have a really great cable package. So I, I have cut the cord. Well, I, you know, I'm actually one of the people who never had a cord to begin with. And uh, and I just use Netflix uh, and occasionally Amazon Prime. Um, but for the most part. I you know, use Netflix. If if something that I really want to see isn't on Netflix, I find it in a, in some way, um, whether it's on YouTube or or whatnot. <laughs> and um, and so that's that's how I you know I think it's all about choice these days. You really want to be able to select what you're seeing. So that's my views on it. And for me, what we have in the market in Canada is is a okay because of that. Dean, you want to jump in? Yeah, um, so I come from the other end where I had the most premium Bell 5 
services. And we actually, my family and I, we cut our ties. We cut our services as well. And we only use um, basically Netflix. I personally am a fan of anime, so I have Crunchyroll and there's other options like that around, of course, as well in Canada to use. Um, and like Rose, if I really wanted to watch something new, I can find it or something else. I can find it. Um, this is saving so much money. Um, Bell is Bell Five is not cheap, and having just Netflix and all the options it gives us, it opens us up to new shows that we haven't considered before, and um, everything else on on like five TV is just kind of unnecessary, at least for in my case. Um, I know my father liked watching sports, but now I, I believe. Dazen will be filling Dazone. Sorry, I That's apologize. Right. We'll be for your NFL needs. Yeah, we'll be filling that like space in his heart. <laughs> um, so there's options out there, and like cutting the cord is definitely worth it. Uh, so at home, my mom, for whatever reason, doesn't want to pay for like unlimited internet. So we have a limited uh, capacity there. So she doesn't actually. Oh, she uses basic cable. Uh, maybe a little more than basic cable, but uh, I do have a Netflix subscription. I actually got it for my grandparents, who they have unlimited internet, uh, so I mostly got it for them, and then I just kind of use it myself sometimes. Uh, in terms of the content that's offered, I don't really use any of the other streaming services. I mean, I have Prime. Uh, I'm a Prime member, but I haven't really used Prime Video. Um, for the most part, I really like it. Uh, like, There's a lot of good stuff on Netflix. I don't really like the the inconsistency sometimes. Like, you guys all know me. I'm a big superhero fan. Uh, there's all the like the superhero shows, and I know like on American Netflix, they're all on there, and they release in a pretty regular rate. But like in Canada, only some of them are on Netflix, and not even like the full series, just certain seasons. Like for example, Supergirl is on uh, Netflix Canada, and there's season one available. Season two finished months ago. There is no season two, uh, so it's only season one. And then there's none of the other shows that even help start that, like Arrow and The Flash, and now there's Legend of Tomorrow. They're all related shows by the same people. They're all on the CW now, but not all of them are available on Netflix. And some of the, the ones that are are not fully on it. So it is be nice to have a little more consistency with that kind of thing uh, for me pain. personally. Yeah. So, Brad, I'm actually kind of glad that you brought up the subject of content because that is what I want to jump into a little bit. And I, I want to start by addressing the Disney issue. And, and if you guys don't know, mm-hmm. the Disney issue is that uh, a little while ago, Disney announced that they were going to be pulling their content library from American Netflix, not, not international Netflix. So Canada should be fine for a little while. And the reason they did that is because they want to launch, Disney specifically wants to launch its own proprietary streaming service sometime in 2019. So right now, Disney's got a healthy library of content, and it's not just original Disney films. It's also Pixar movies. It's also the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, because, of course, Marvel is owned by Disney, as well as certain selections from the Lucasfilm library. So you can get so you can get stuff like The Clone Wars. You can get The Force Awakens. I believe Rogue One, A Star Wars Story is also there. So I want to ask a simple question, and that's how do we feel about all of a sudden a certain content provider saying, you know what? I want to pull my content from a, another streaming service to build my own platform. Rose, do you want to jump in? Um, I, I think we're going to see more of more, more and more of that as uh, things go on. Everybody wants to get into this lucrative position uh, now that they've seen just how lucrative, lucrative it is uh, with Netflix's success. It's a huge company now. Um, Everybody wants a piece of that pie. Apple itself has a $1 billion war chest for creating original content. 
Um, so it is, it's, I think, unfortunate for Netflix and we'll have to see how they react to this because that's uh, going to be very critical to how to their success going forward. Um, but thankfully they do have a lot of great original content to keep them going and they've been building that up and building that up. So um, I think Netflix will be fine, but I think we'll have quite a lot of players in the market and uh, maybe eventually they'll start to they'll start to consolidate. But for a while, we'll probably have quite a bunch of people popping up. I personally like it. Um, I like the idea of Disney doing its own thing because in that way we'll have, in theory, we should have a more a larger library of all the Disney stuff we'd want. It's kind of like what Brad was saying with the CW not having every season for us. I feel like if Disney does something of their own, they will have complete episode complete movies and um it will there'll be more options like i'll be able to watch older lion king and older disney movies and brad actually brought up to me recently that warner brothers is looking to do the same thing is that right yeah so i was actually mentioning it with you and samir earlier uh kind of in at the end of april uh dc uh, which is owned by warner bros they warner bros announced a dc centered streaming service that uh, Young Justice Season 3, which was an animated show that ended a few years back that they brought back after a lot of fan cry for it to return. Uh, and Titans, which is a live-action version of the Teen Titans uh, characters. Uh, so that's a streaming service launching next year, and those two shows are set to debut on it. They haven't really gone into much detail about it, which is probably one reason why a lot of people don't seem to know about it, and they haven't really talked about it much. Uh, but, of course, that sets a, a whole other precedent. It's like... What does that mean for all the CW shows, again, that we mentioned, like the Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and there's Gotham on Fox, uh, et cetera, all these other TV shows. And then will they bring in their, you know, their DC Extended Universe uh, lineup of films like Batman v Superman, Justice League's coming out this year, et cetera. So um, who knows? So that will all be very interesting to see. And this is a conversation that deserves far more time. I apologize, Samir, but we are coming close to the end here. And uh, before we end, uh, we usually do shout outs. But since we are cutting it close, how about we all do kind of a lightning round of shout outs? Um, So basically, just first thing that comes to your head, just blurt it out. For me, my shout out is uh, Freedom Mobile, which is going hard in the paint, as they say, against Telescudo and public and offering a $40 plan for with 10 gigabytes of data. So that's exciting in my world. Uh, Samir. Uh, my shout out goes to Andy Rubin and his essential phone. I'm very, very excited for what's going to come because of that device. And I don't have $1,050 to spend on it. But it, as soon as I do, I promise, tell us I'm there. Dean. My shout out is actually to Rose. Um, she's Aww. been like like leading us all throughout the week so it's been great i love you dean <laughs> um, i would second that for Brett. sure oh, um Brett. but my shout out will be somewhat self-promotion and i apologize uh uncharted the lost legacy it's a <laughs> ps4 exclusive <laughs> game uh my review for went up for it this morning uh so it's just uh perhaps the last uncharted game coming from naughty dog and it focuses on two uh, female protagonist rather than series star Nathan Drake and it's really great so check it out please. you know that's fair that's what shout outs are for that's what I always use my shout outs for and also Brad is an excellent feature writer and so you should definitely check it out oh thank um, you I learned from the best oh, oh god my gosh this is <laughs> so wholesome this is becoming very wholesome and we must end it immediately 
If you want to find us on social media, you can check out at Mobile Syrup on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Google Plus and Snapchat and any number of places where we're there. Um, so check us out there. Um, so until next week, goodbye. See ya. Bye. Have a great day, folks. <laughs>